Welcome to Bitch Talk. Booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. We just ended a very special night at the Punchline in San Francisco. It's a really historic comedy club. I've been going there for years, and it's one of my go-tos for comedy. My favorite in the city for comedy, easily. And it was to celebrate a week-long event with Reimagine Into Life where... You know, it's a it's a hard subject to touch and to tackle, but I feel like tonight it was called Good Grief. We our headliner was uh, Chris Garcia, but we had a lot of other comedians on uh, on the bill tonight. It was Irene too, who's been on the podcast. Friend of the show, uh, Reggie Steele was best friend of the show. Best friend of the show. <laughs> it was his fourth time on the show. I think he's been on the show more than anyone else. Yeah, um, I love him. Uh, Ron Vai, who's a local, and Dan Rothenberg, who really. Killed it, no pun intended, but he did yeah. with, with all of his sets and his hosting. Um, but we got to uh, have a little podcast on the stage of Punchline, which is really special because I think when Bitch Talk was formed years ago, five years ago, six years ago, but, uh, Punchline was really a place where my old podcasting partner and I would go a lot to just see comics. That's where I found Reggie. I saw him at, on the stage of Punchline, and afterwards I'm like, you need to be on our podcast. Not because he was just some hunky dude. Sorry, Reggie. Fact. I'm just going to let Fact you know now. Fact you are. But also, he was fucking hilarious, really real, and tonight really proved how real his comedy is. So it comes full circle. And, for and us he's just a, he's an extremely humble yes. being. Beautiful soul. And for us to be on the stage with be, being five comics. Being on that stage was a bit surreal. It was I'm weird, not gonna honestly. yeah. I I was uh We go there to watch comics. We don't go there to watch ourselves. So yeah. um I wanna say thank you to Reimagine. Um please find them. The show moved me. I, I'm still gonna deal with a lot of emotions lot. that I felt from the show for a few days. I, I think, think it's gonna take me to I think in future register. podcasts we'll have a few of those comics back on to really talk about it was this what they talked about on stage wow yeah yeah um but um enjoy reimagine thank you to punchline uh thank you for to dara yeah of the show tune in it's like you're sitting in the comedy club tonight you're gonna listen in to our podcast uh, just for a little background so each comedian came on stage did their set uh, each one dealing with grief in, or death or loss in a certain way. And then afterwards, we got to sit down with them and, and dig a little deeper. So, yeah. So enjoy. It's going to feel like you're a part of the audience. And that's what we love about tonight. So, and tell your friends about Bitch Shock, by the way. Just let them know we're here. We've been here for almost six years now. And uh, just subscribe. Say hello. Listen in. <laughs> First of all, thank you for this show. It, it has been unlike any other comedy show I've ever seen. I was in the corner. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> good for being on stage no. and being looked at, but no. uh, it was Don't amazing. Listen. Thank you. Uh, we have a quick question just to start off. On the topic of death and reimagine, let's imagine you have a few days left to live. You're performing your final show. Who would you want to co-headline with? Living or dead. We might have done this for a while, so. Are you the twins from The Shining? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Asian, yes. Uh, no, I, I need time. I don't have oh, come on. 
Definitely none of these people. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Living or dead. Co-headline. Co-headline? I wouldn't want to share that. Okay. <laughs> Open. Okay, who opens? Who opens for you? I don't know. Five days to live? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Does that matter? It's gotta, be someone, it's gotta be someone I can follow. I don't want. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to come. I don't want to come out to someone who just kills, and then I come up and eat it. Kills. Yeah. Really. This is typical. <laughs> typical comedians overthinking. Yeah, come on, guys. Getting threatened <laughs> by the whole. Well, fuck. I'm not gonna fucking work with yeah. him. The insecurity. No, it's yeah. living, but living or dead, like. I, 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 I would want it to be John Rivers. Oh, oh, yes. Topical. We will, we will touch on that later. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. Um, I would open for Ellen. I don't know why anyone is taking so I long. I knew that I was going to be the answer. Obviously. Yeah. Really. Yeah. 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 No one knew the answer. Yeah. Ellen. Yeah. No damn. You know what? I mean, the first one that popped into my head was Lenny Bruce. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. To me, he's the ultimate, just the ultimate storyteller and he's he's a Jew. <laughs> Keep it in the family. I like yeah. it. All right. Yeah. He's basically the only one, right? Yeah. <laughs> he was a great yeah, and it, him and me. <laughs> That's it. Broken through Jews breaking through into comedy. And I feel like I'm swinging the door open. <laughs> breaking the whole it down. Industry. Yeah. 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 All right, Reggie, Chris. Okay. No pressure. I love Chris. I go rock. I knew he was gonna say I thought it was gonna be a beautiful moment. Chris Rock. Chris Rock, that's my dude. I love him. He's Rock. amazing. Yeah. Um I would say this is gonna sound real corny, but I would say my mom. Oh, oh. No, real funny. Yeah. And she's always like, can we go on the road? Like, she's very she's very raw and very funny. Um, other than my mom, I would say Ali Wong. Duh. Ooh, uh, hello. Yes. Hello. We're friends that we started here a month apart from each other and very Ooh. close. Nice. Um, and like my mom, she's a tiny, <laughs> out of control, amazing comedian, you know? And then uh, this guy, Alvarez Guedes, who is... Do you anyone know Alvarez Guedes? Oh, there was a deep moan in the crowd. They have a Cuban back there? <laughs> oh, Puerto Rican? Close enough. Um, Alvarez Guedes is this uh, Cuban comedian who um, I grew up listening to with my parents. It's like over like 40 albums. And uh, he was just like a Cuban exile that came to Florida. and talked about the Cuban experience a lot. And it was my first taste of stand-up. So I think it would be cool to perform with him or even see him because he's so influential in my life and stuff. And no one knows who he is, so it would be nice for other people to know who he is. Side note, would your mom do stand-up? Like, would you go on a tour together, maybe? She's funny. Like, we've done, I've done interviews with my mom. Oh, okay. And she's, like, always, like, the thing about, like, um, asking my mom, I was like, hey, uh, if Dad had five minutes to live, what would you say? She was like, I'd fuck up. Right, like, yeah. yeah. She's hilarious. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's very funny and very raw. Cool. Can I say, first of all, Chris, you're making me feel guilty about how I feel about my parents and talk about my parents. My mom just moved to Florida and that's not far enough away. 
Uh, do you know what I mean? Oh, oh my God. Can I uh, say something? I don't need to run the podcast or anything. You guys are not oh, well, it's oh, funny because you're the next out. Yeah, you're next yeah, line. You don't want to go with no, this. Fuck it. <laughs> but I, I have, I don't know, what, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm dark or whatever. I, for years now, I've always thought about it. at my funeral. This is way before cancer and shit. It's just the kind of thing I, you know, sit back and go, huh, at my funeral. Um, I, and I'm going to do this. Whenever I die, I have a list of jokes. Like, I love comedy so much, I have a list of jokes that I want read at my funeral. <laughs> to the comedians, because I think it's so beautiful. Certain jokes just rock you on a, on a level. Would you, um, so, like, here's one that will be at my funeral, without a doubt. Okay. Um, and I, I can picture it like a conveyor belt of people, hopefully comics. You guys come to my funeral, right? I guess right. Okay. This is an invite. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, 25, no, but the exposure is awesome. Okay. <laughs> That's what comics are told when you're not getting shit. The exposure is awesome, really. To who, the crowd? Anyway, um, okay, so at my funeral, Someone will read this joke. David Tell. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll read this exact joke. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to butcher it. But uh, um, have you have you ever have you ever made have you ever made love to? Um, oh fuck! I was I was I was doing this girl. She started yelling out the names of people that haven't existed. Do it to me, Papa Smurf. Ride me, Chewbacca. Oh, yeah. Fuck me, Spider Man. And I'm thinking, is this girl crazy? Or is she just looking at my sheets? <laughs> Hilarious, no? It's a, it's, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful joke. It's clever. That'll be better at my funeral. Anyway, thank you for going with me on that. Wow, no, no, no you're, you're our first question. Yeah, no. Okay. Keep holding that mic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're up. Yeah. Okay, so to bring it down a little, mm -hmm. um, other, other than being a, a, a spokesman for Kaiser, yeah. how has getting cancer, being in remission, how has it changed your life, the way you live? Um, okay, the short version is it has made me, first of all, I don't want to be hacky and say it's made me, it's made me grateful for every day. Everybody fucking says that. <laughs> so, but it has, and... <laughs> When I first, when I was first diagnosed, okay, someone just asked me back there, uh, whoever I was, that woman that was talking to me about cancer, whoever the fuck that was, I love my fans, said, said this to me. She said, have you ever, like, did you ever ask why me? And I, and I thought about it, I said, no, I have not why me cancer at all. And I'm a why me kind of guy. <laughs> I why me traffic. <laughs> Seriously, I am a why. I will why me like a motherfucker. I will why me with the best of them. And cancer. I remember when it hit me, and it was as though I, I've been spent. I've spent my life trying to be calm and trying to find Zen from AA to yoga to I'm, I'm the guy that does it all because I'm nuts and I'm nuts in between meetings and yoga and I'm spinning up like a pretzel and I never can be where I'm at and cancer from the moment I was diagnosed it was my first moment of like mindfulness like I was in my body and I took it in and I remember five minutes into it the doctor told me and I and I recall 
crying like real tears. You know, I had been working with foster kids for six years in the middle of tragedy in LA, no tears. Like I was bottled up, crying real tears and, and asking the doctor questions and loving my family and loving everyone so much. And it was as though it put me in my, it put me in my body to really just feel myself and my emotions and where I was at. And in this ironic way, I've been trying to stay there. So it really, um, it sort of showed me how the, the first part, the diagnostic part, and dealing with it in the beginning, like I got this sense, like I was outside my body looking at my reaction and I was a little bit impressed with myself. Like I somehow handled it. Whereas everything before that, it was overreacting and feeling shitty and feeling this and feeling that. My parents were always talking about what a cloud I had over me and I became an alcoholic for no reason. It's like a suburban kid from Michigan drinking for no apparent reason. And I guess that's all to say that it has given me the opportunity to see that, um, yeah, every, every moment really is precious and sacred. And since I've been in remission, I've started to get nuts again. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm life. Welcome back. Suddenly life creeps in and you're and I'm you're arguing with your wife and you're pissed off and the dishes and this and and, and it's uh, so it's taught me that lesson. Kind of like what Chris was saying about every day, do it every day. Mm -hmm. Can I take how I handle that crisis and do it do it every day? Then I don't even remember what the question was. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's great for a podcast. Uh, thank you. What do I read next? We can get, we, hey, what's up? We can get funny on this. Uh, you joked about suicide a little bit. We touched on that. Um, we are Facebook friends, so I see what you post on Facebook. A few months ago, I think you bombed somewhere. And you that wrote sounds right. Way to bring it up. You're about suicide and you bombed and you were just like super dark about it but I just want to know is when you guys bomb and you can answer first and if you want to pass it around. Oh I think I know what post you're talking about and I don't think I bombed. Um, I think I'm sure. I think that you were real sad about it. It was a close friend. No no no. It was someone else. It was I was not not name dropping another person who bombed on my show. Oh. Yeah. Did you see this? No. Did someone bomb so hard you wanted to kill yourself? <laughs> no. Uh, the thing that I posted was, um, if you if you bomb and then you ask to get booked on a show again, kill yourself. That oh, was, maybe that, that was it. Oh. It's totally different. It's totally different. It, was, uh, that, it was about that person, not about me. Okay. I'm 100% sure because I remember all the comments that I got from it. Because oh. people are like, is it this person? I was like, yes. Uh, I'm not going to tell you, but... Yeah. But is, is it ever that bad? Is it ever that bad? Um, I've bombed pretty bad, but not to the point where I would like kill myself. I'm just like, oh, I'm just not going to make eye contact with anybody. 
and then leave immediately. I wasn't here. Um, but I watched like a person or you know this one person specifically bomb very hard, and I was like, you really should not do comedy. Uh, but no one should like die over it. I just was like, this is very painful for all of us. But it was, this was someone you'd seen before, and you had. Faith yes. in to book. No. Oh. no. This was an accidental booking. Okay. Uh, okay. And then I could, we couldn't unbook a person. Okay. So we just had to watch it happen again. <laughs> so it was, just, it was a lot. All right. Well, I'm glad it wasn't you. So. Yeah. yeah it wasn't that, me. Yeah. yeah. I, I, the story. I was like, it's what are you fine. talking about? What's yeah, that vulnerable? I'm sorry. That I was like, oh my god. I really, well, it threw me for a loop. I'm like, wow, she's getting real deep here. You know? Yeah. No, <laughs> well, it wasn't me. Someone. All right. Okay. But you'll know when it's me. I kind of yeah. figured. Yeah. You'll yeah. know next time. All right. We'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Yeah. Was Thank that you. was that the basis for asking her to do this? Yes. To do this yeah. show. It was all I need another. This is yeah. actually an intervention for you. We specifically asked for Irene. Yeah. Yeah. All right, take down the banner. All right, everybody else. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, Ron, you're up next. Oh, um, so, when you were coming up as a comedian, SF Weekly actually called you a young Joan Rivers. And uh, as you were doing your set, I can't help but imagine Button chilling with Joan Rivers, <laughs> and they're both just like wearing tiaras and, and like drinking martinis. Oh, I want to be there. That's what's happening. That sounds delightful. Wow, you really could Google the word. Well, because that was like 2001. You know, that was the last time that a newspaper ever wrote anything about me. So, uh, <laughs> we think deep, Ron. We did deep. Yeah. We do our homework. You, you actually ended up writing for Fashion Police, so it came full circle. I, it did. And you know what's funny about writing for Fashion Police? I think I'm one of the least fashionable gays. I literally walk in front of my boyfriend when he's home and I go, can I go out looking like this? And he says yes or no. And so I actually wrote uh, uh, for Fashion Please from the comfort of my own apartment and mailed those jokes down that you know to LA and that's what happened. And I, there would be like 48 hours where I wouldn't go to sleep. My hair would be a mess. I'd drink like three pots of coffee. My pajama pants are turned inside out. I got stains <laughs> on my tank top. And here I am writing jokes about celebrities' bad fashion. Where, judging, I, yeah. where I look disgusting. <laughs> I look like I went straight overnight. with Joan Rivers, but I like that idea. And then Joan had tons of pets, and she had dogs that she loved uh, so much. Mm -hmm. And now, this is all hearsay, but I read an article about what when Joan Rivers died, one of her um, writers shared a story uh, that I read, and it basically said that Joan called her up crying one day. And she never heard that side of Joan before. And she was crying on the phone. And she said, I have a show tonight, and my dog died today. And I don't know what to do with myself. I'm so sad. Also, can you write me 20 dead jo dog jokes? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That I thought was amazing. Yeah. So, so I hope he's up there. I hope they have tiaras. And uh, Bun could never uh, handle his alcohol, though. So I hope he's <laughs> keeping it light. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to Reggie next, cool. friend of the show. Guess what? This is your fourth time on Bitch Talk, by the way. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Awesome. We appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. 
you for having me. No, thanks for being here. Um, you, you spoke about talking with your uh, adoptive mom uh, right before she passed. Yeah. And before the show tonight, you told us a little story about a friend of yours in 2009 um, that did commit suicide. Do you want to speak a little bit about getting to talk to those people before they passed? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. Not that it's funny, uh, yeah. but. No, no, no. It's topical. It's kind of the story of my life. Like, I have been exposed to death for a long time. Like, my mom was, like I said, my mom was 55 when she got me. So, you know, by the time 10 years, you know, it's 65, 13 to 68, mm -hmm. people start dying. So, throughout my life, I've had this opportunity, and I didn't realize until I got a little bit old, older. Mm -hmm. But I've had these moments where I've, I've been able to spend time with people and express how I felt or what was going on with me, not necessarily knowing what's going to happen to them. And then it's like after it happens, then, you know, it's like, whoa, like I got to have this deep conversation. So 2009, November 18th, uh, one of my best friends, we played college basketball together at St. Mary's College, California. Uh, we were roommates in college. Uh, he lived two blocks away from me. Uh, we worked at the same place. We worked together that day. Um, wow. That was a Thursday. Well, that Tuesday, he and I spent about two hours together just talking. And in that conversation, I didn't realize how depressed he was. I just know that he was talking to what sounded like to me was kind of crazy, like I've never accomplished anything and I haven't done it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And in that conversation, I was able to express to him how much I admired him, how much I loved him, how much uh, I respected him. And this was a guy who was like, you know what? I want to learn how to play chess. He got books and he learned how to become a phenomenal chess player. He wanted to read the Wall Street Journal, and it's a very difficult paper to read. He got books on how to read the Wall Street Journal and read the Wall Street Journal. His music collection was eclectic. It was like it was like the craziest rap song you ever heard to like folk and then classic, like metal. Like he listened to everything. So he was this really, really smart, really brilliant, very determined guy. And uh, and I got to share all this time with him. And the thing was is that that Thursday night after everything went ha everything that went down. Uh, you know, all these people were coming up and people were like, oh, I haven't seen him in a while and I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I had this moment where it's like, yo, I just talked to him. Like, I mean, we worked together that day. We've been working together mm. the whole time. But I had this moment where I was like, yo, he knew everything. Like, he knew exactly how I felt about everything and about him. And so for me, there was no, there was no, there was not this feeling of like, oh, I didn't get a chance to tell him, you know, how much I loved him and, you know, what he meant to me. No, I did. I did, and I totally understood. I accepted his, his decision, because he, he clearly stated in his letter that he's like, I'm done. He's like, it's time for me to go, and uh, this is what it is. And so that's what it was for me, and you know, and him, what have you. Um, I got the same opportunity with my mom. I had another opportunity uh, in college. One of my, my, my roommates, a guy named Lamont Madden, passed away from heart disease at 21. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm leaving to go out come to the city for this, this dance. And I, and I went to school at St. Mary's, like I said. And so I leave my dorm, I leave my room, because we're sweet mates. I pass his room, I say, all right, Lamont, I'm out. And I look at him, he's laying there, he's like, all right, I'll see you later. And I go halfway down the hall, and something hits me, and I go, yo, hold up. I go back, I go, yo, Mont, you all right? He's like, he's like, yeah. I was like, all right. All right, man, well, I'll see you tomorrow, be cool. He's like, you know, I love you, you're my dude. He's like, yeah, no doubt. I was like, all right. I left, and I stayed in the city that night. I come back the next day, and he passed away. And it's like, everyone had these moments where they like they didn't get a chance, and I was like, yo, I had, I just, I'm fortunate 
some people will say blessed or whatever the case may be, but I've been fortunate to have those opportunities and I, I love them, you know, I love them because they've allowed me to be at peace with the transition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like my uncle OG, my cousin Bernice, like just chances. I didn't mean to bring the show down, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just, like it's just, it's, it's that's been time. the story of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, my, one of my, and this is one of my favorites, uh, not my favorites, but my Uncle Pip. So my Uncle Pip was my next door neighbor. We weren't related, but I love this dude. He's the dude that I would almost accredit to me becoming who I was to some degree. Because as a little kid, he loved baseball, I loved baseball. But he would always challenge me. And I didn't realize what he was doing at the time, but he would challenge me physically. He would say, how many pull-ups can you do? How many push-ups can you do? How fast can you run from there to there? And I just, he basically made me into this athlete. <laughs> um, then I kicked ass and got a scholarship and went to school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't I was in the paper, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what sport? <laughs> Basketball. Basketball. Um, and so, uh, so you know, you get to that point where you know your life starts to happen, right? You go in different directions, and you know, you you, you meet your friends, and you start hanging out and things like that. Well, my mom calls me one day, or my mom tells me one day, she's like, hey, Uncle Pip is sick. He ended up getting cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So I go next door and I hang out with him. Not, I don't know how bad it is. I just know that he's not doing well and I hadn't seen him. And I go over and we spend this whole day together watching mm-hmm. baseball games and just talking and just connecting. And you know, me telling him, oh man, I'm sorry I hadn't been over. And you know, but uh, you know, you're my dude, I, I love you. Like that, that was, that's my thing, you're my dude and I love you. Right, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, no, I understand." He's like, "You're you're in high school. You're a kid. You got things. Live your life." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, cool, but I'm gonna come back and see you." And that was on a Monday, and then he passed like Wednesday, and I didn't get a chance to go back. But I had that moment where I was like, "Man, I saw him and I talked to him." And so, the thing is, I would say this is that if you people say that thing about you know you know tell people that you love them, you know you always let them know that you love. Yo, it's for real. If you have that feeling. Say it. Ain't no holding back, cause you don't know. I mean, tomorrow's not promised. And if you, and if nothing doesn't, if nothing happens, then they just know you care about them, and you care. They care about you, and it's just a good feeling to have anyway. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was that's it. Thank you, Reggie. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right. So Chris. Yeah, Chris. <sighs> we have a <laughs> We were like over in that corner. You you made Aaron and I cry twice yeah, today. today. Um, you you were on NPR. Two times. No, separately, different times, but for the same reason. But yeah, cycle. Sorry, we spent a lot of time together. That's a whole other. That's a whole other. Anyways, so you were on NPR's This American Life with your father. You had a recording that you made of you and your father driving in the car. Can you just uh, talk a little bit about that story? It's 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 just a really beautiful and poignant story. Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for crying. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, yeah, so maybe like 10 years ago, maybe less, uh, around that time, um, I went home to Los Angeles to visit my parents and it was around the time of my birthday and I went home for the weekend and I, went with my dad to the beach in Manhattan Beach. I think my parents lived in like Torrance or Carson at the time, you know, Southern California. And uh, went to the beach and on the way home he started acting very strangely, kind of erratically. And I'm used to like recording my sets and recording my thoughts. Like sometimes I'll just like think stuff and I'll record it. 
and my dad was acting so kind of weird that I just decided to record our drive home. And um, he, I happened to record the first time my dad forgot who I was. Um, so we were driving home, and my dad's like, oh, young man, where are you taking me? And I was like, that's kind of weird, you know? And we drive by my old high school, and, uh, and he's like, oh, uh, what? So there's, there's that place where the rich kids play or something. And I was like, my high school? And he's like, yeah, and that's the, uh, and I was like, baseball field, you know? And he's like, ah, oh, yes, the baseball. Did you ever play baseball? And I was like, did I ever play baseball? This motherfucker had me throwing circle changes when I was three months old. <laughs> like, I knew how to bunt when I was in my mom's womb, you know? And so it was really weird. And he was like, and I was like, yeah, I played baseball. He was like, what position? And I was like, first base, uh, right field pitcher. And he's like, well, that's the things that I played. Are you left-handed or right-handed? And I was like, left-handed? And he's like, oh, shit, me too, buddy. And so my dad completely forgot that who I was, he forgot that I played bass, he forgot everything about my life, and I just like decided, I was like, okay, this is kind of odd, I'm just gonna play along. And so I drove home with my dad, and I was like, yeah, he was like, uh, he was like, what pitches did you throw? I was like, curveball, and he's like, oh, I wish I would have known you, I would have taught you how to throw a proper curveball. And I drove him all the way home to my mom's house, and he was confused, he thought I was a cab driver. And uh, we get home, uh, and he's like, uh, he thinks, and then he thinks I'm from the church. Like, he kept on thinking different things. And then uh, we get to my house, and he's like, young man, this is, I appreciate, I, this is something I'll appreciate for the rest of my life. And even though he didn't know who I was, he still had that abundance of gratitude for the very small gesture that I had he thought I had done. And then, this is what you don't hear in This American Life, is that I walk my dad up the stairs, and I'm like, and I was wearing orange sunglasses, like stupid fucking Coachella sunglasses or whatever. <laughs> I was wearing orange sunglasses, and I took them off, and he goes, oh, it's you! And I was like, yeah, Dad, it's been me. He's like, I thought you were in the mafia. <laughs> my dad thought I was for wearing orange sunglasses or whatever, but, um, it's a, it's a, uh, a moment that I'm, I'm very lucky to capture and very fortunate that, um, This American Life had heard me before and they're like, do you have any stories about your dad? And I told them stories and then I was like, oh, I have this recording. And they're like, uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about that, you know? And so they, um, I, I mean, it came out like four years ago or something. Mm -hmm. But still to this day, it's the thing that means the most to me. Because it was like it crystallized the relationship I had with my father. Mm -hmm. And the relationship I think he had with other people. Which is like, not necessarily knowing who I was, but treating me with um, like such respect and um, adoration, you know? And so the fact that it got to, so many people got to hear that means a lot. Yeah. And that's the thing that's so beautiful about it is even through Alzheimer's, you can still see the kind of person he was and his character and, and, and the kindness that was in his soul. Yeah. It's so beautiful. He's a good dude, and I lucked out, and there's no reason to think anything else about it. I mean, it's sad, and it's a tragedy when someone dies, but if that person is great to you, you're lucky in any shape you get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
extremely important to share. Thank you. Yeah, uh, we're gonna start wrapping this podcast up. I thought you said you were gonna start rapping. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, like a little, gonna freestyle yeah. on all our stories. <laughs> like, <"I know."> <laughs> oh, we are gonna rap. Yo, so that's gonna, really gonna happen. We in the building. <laughs> <laughs> sure, keep going. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You can just finish up. That. Maybe I read it as a rap. No, she doesn't at all. Um, <laughs> I think we should close it out and talk about reimagine a little bit. Maybe we'll we'll start with Chris and go back down the line. But why is it important for you to be a part of this tonight and part of the whole event and the whole week? Um, I think it's because like we we all know we don't really regularly get to talk about this without completely bumming people out at a bar or a comedy club or the back of a comic book store or at a BART station and all the weird places we take over a stage or a microphone. And to, to open this up to talk about death and um, whatever ailments that, like, or whatever <laughs> suffering there is in the world has given us a place to express these things that we normally wouldn't be able, uh, wouldn't be able to joke about. And I feel that's important because, like, I've got jokes about this stuff, but I'm like, I'm not going to talk about stuff like, like that is sad, like you know, at an open mic. I'm not going to bum people out with like the jokes I told about my dad and stuff. Uh, and so, but when you do that, you really want to express yourself when you're a person that expresses himself, and it feels like you're faking the funk on the nasty dunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you can, you know what I mean? If you're like sad about something, but you're like, well, I went to the bank the other day. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> that's not when you're hard, but it's given us an opportunity to like express our hearts and our thoughts and these feelings that we usually don't get to, which we don't think would resonate with people, which obvi but obviously uh, actually does. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're all gonna experience it. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I, think, I think it's a wonderful thing, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh, the biggest thing that for me is, I've known people who haven't been able to handle loss, right? Because mm -hmm. you know people try to hide it from them. We talked about this in the green room, about you know people trying to hide death from them, and, and them not being able to be put in a position where they can process and understand that this is a normal part of life. This is, this is, this comes with the deal, right? Like, you get to be alive, but you also get to die, right? And it doesn't have to be a negative thing. Like, it can be. My mom was 96, and when she passed away, and I got to speak at her funeral. It wasn't about mourning a loss; it was about celebrating a life, right? And so, being a part of this allows us a platform to talk about our different experiences to hopefully reach someone who may have some, you know, whatever feelings they have about it and not being able to express it. It's like, no, 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 this is, this is okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It's just a part of this whole thing. So it allows us to help people, to normalize it for people to some degree and help them to be able to process and maybe deal with whatever issues they may have in regards to it. So, yeah, that's why I think this is phenomenal. And I, you know, you guys coming out and supporting is, is great. So, and we pass this energy forward and, mm -hmm. you know, people look at us and say, oh, uh, yes, yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We'll make it. So, that's what it is. Yeah. Reggie, you should run for president. Yeah. <laughs> I hear there might be an opening in one. <laughs> there might be an Start opening now. this week. We'll yeah. see. We'll okay. see. Oh my God. You and Chris Rock. It would be a Steel Rock 2020. Ooh. I'm in. Steel. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bye bye. Go. After that. 
First of all, I think uh, it was great to be a part of this evening. Uh, I think the staff here really appreciates that they got to hear me do 10 minutes of brand new jokes. Can you tell with that laugh? They may have been hearing me drum the same jokes into the microphone for the last 15 years, like that. I can look back in the mirror and see them lip-syncing my jokes with me but that goes back to being a stand-up comedian and entertainer. Sometimes the things that you want to talk about, you can't talk about because the bottom line is my job is to make people laugh. I do those same jokes over and over and over, but they work, and I know they work, and then you become hesitant to work in other things. When this festival sort of came about and into my inbox, that was maybe three or four weeks, if not less, after my cat Button died, and I was having the feels big time. Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned on stage, that I, fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure, have not experienced a lot of death in my life, and this was like, it was devastating to me, and I, could, I couldn't believe like that I was going to have to go on. And of course, it does go on. I'm, I'm like a crazy person. I had a cat again in, a, in another month, and so <laughs> forth. But it gave me an opportunity. I'm sorry. I just envisioned you being like, oh my god, I can't wait. Ooh. <laughs> Name him right. Buttons too. <laughs> you did that Lion King style too. <laughs> I never thought Pussy would turn my head like that. Oh. Oh. Hello. It's funny though, I literally, I was dead for a week and I was getting inboxes and tweets and everything. Like, I have a cat, do you want it? And I know this cat, like, I was suddenly a pussy magnet. Like, everybody was just sending cats my way. And I wanted to be real careful that I wasn't replacing him, and I don't think I was replacing him. I think Button sent, as I mentioned on stage tonight, Jasper as a little helper, and that was uh, really great. This was also very helpful to be able to dive deep inside, and I found the two stories that I opened up with. I had really, until earlier this week, no plans of talking about my uncle and obituary, or even that gross blowjob. Bereavement <laughs> blowjob, I love it. What? Bereavement blowjob. Bereavement yeah. blowjob. Yeah, yeah, it's a thing. A little BB. I like to turn it into an app. You're going to turn it into an app? I can do that. Some people in here could do Yeah, someone in here could do that. So it's just really great. It's challenging and nerve-wracking. I never used notes, and I was a mess behind like stage in the green room, second-guessing everything, wondering if it was going to be funny, if I was going to hit it right if I was going to fail on stage and it's a great challenge and you know as I said our job is to make people laugh and tonight it was like if I make people laugh great but they're all here to share this experience and I thought it would be really great to share with them and hear their experiences and uh, yeah it was pretty cool I'm so happy that this thing happened and I was a part of it. Thanks Ron. Great thank you. Dan. Well, I would agree the highlight of this festival for me has been hearing Ron Vidu new material. <laughs> and I, I'm going to pass on that. Uh, I, I never thought it would happen. I can die now. I love what everyone has said. I'll just add I, uh, something that this festival, non-festival, has... Um, <laughs> has provided for me is just a show where you could just open up and talk about what you want to talk about and I didn't have to warm up the crowd and kind of uh, say to myself, okay, I want to do some cancer stuff. I need to keep it as 
tight and um, tried and true as possible and worried about losing the crowd, I could just kind of open it up. Because that's always been the comedy I've always wanted, that I've always done. And it's always been a challenge at comedy clubs. Like, hmm. works well in San Francisco, by the time you get to Sacramento, <laughs> you're doing the airline jokes. <laughs> because it's just, it's too difficult and, it, and um, it, crowds get weird about it. So any, uh, a festival like this that allows us to just get up and get right into the stuff we want to talk about, I find challenges, just the, uh, this kind of autobiographical stuff, so much fun to do, and I've uh, I've been out of comedy for a long time. I know a lot of you guys remember me from the '90s. When I, you don't even clap. If you remember me, don't clap. <laughs> but getting cancer, got I got the bug again because there's something about being able to being able to share this shit and make it funny. And a real like a real quick story. When I I got diagnosed, I was on the phone. I. I I was on the phone with my friend from work, and uh, I had uh, left a quinoa salad in Starbucks where I was at when I got a when I got a phone call from the doctor. And I stepped outside, and I'm talking to my coworker. I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. What do I? Just tell me what to do um, next. What do I do with my feet? And she said, Okay, come to the office. And I said, Okay, I got. Uh, a quinoa salad at Starbucks, <laughs> and then I go, I go. Do you, do you go back for the quinoa? And you had to be there. But that was my first. That was my first post-diagnosis cancer joke. My first moment of do I go back for that? It was only ten minutes in, and I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> pretty soon, and I've been trying, yeah, trying to tell jokes about it ever since. And a, a festival like this. Is uh, gives that opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, ditto what everyone said, and we definitely got the light ten minutes ago. And, and right. just like comedians, we ran it by so long. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, that's all I want to say. All right. Well, thanks, Irene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we're gonna thank uh, Punchline, Reimagine into Life, Chris Garcia, Reggie Steele, Ron Vai, Dan Rothenberg, Irene too. Thanks you guys for being here. Listen to Bitch Talk. Support your local comedy. Support your local podcast. to Ron Vai, Dan Rothenberg, Irene Tu, Reggie Steele, and our headliner, Chris Garcia, for this amazing podcast and evening with Reimagine End of Life. If you have had loss in your life or know someone that has had loss in their life or is dealing with that, really an important conversation, I feel. Um, One thing that I really loved was not only did we get a lot out of it, it really felt like the comedians did too. Yeah, and it was, uh, was not so just a gig. It so felt like proud. it wasn't just a gig. No. And um, talking to them afterwards really instilled that, like it, it was something deeper. And and I am I just so happy to have experienced it. It was so personal. And um, one of the things with Bitch Talk I've always wanting to do and try to do is to uplift local comics yeah because they have a lot to say they're it's doing, really powerful they're doing important work and i'm really proud of the show tonight i'm proud to be a part of it and guess what bitch talkers you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com 
All of our socials are there. We've been posting about Reimagine on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but you can find all those at bitchtalkpodcast.com. And stay tuned. There's a lot happening with Bitch Talk right now, which is great. And if you're a longtime listener, first-time caller, you'll be real excited for the year to come. So um, we want to thank thanks again to uh, Reimagine and Dara, friend of the show, and all the comments. Dara, you killed it, too. Yep. She she opened. She, she gave a... Uh, a foundation for what Reimagine was, and she did some comedy, and it was heartfelt, and uh, she's hilarious. Yeah, Dara Cosberg, everybody, Proud be on the everyone. lookout. Yeah, brought everyone tonight, and yeah, uh, thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to everyone who supports. Thanks to the producers, the co-hosts, the guests. Uh, well, and, and, and sorry, one important thing that I wanted to say that Chris Garcia said was. Um, uh, Instead of a eulogy, we we live these eulogies for, for the people that we've lost. So don't forget to live. Enjoy your life. Be in the moment. Be grateful uh, because we're all really blessed. There, there's someone in the world right now that's only dreaming of the life that you live. So I'm, right. ta- I'm taking that away from tonight a- along with a, a million away, other things. Give it away. But give it away let's now. Live. Give it let's away, enjoy give life. Give it away. Give it away now. On that note, maybe we should get to our whiskeys. Bitch, please.